Uh, if you have not adopted a region, we pray that you would con- consider praying into a specific region and then take the time to pray. Because we do, we are supposed to go to our neighbors, we are supposed to go to the nations, and that's what every Christian is supposed to do. So I love our church. I love what God has done here, and I love the opportunities that are uh, before us. So uh, we've been talking about the culture of we, and we're coming toward the end of that, and I'm a little over it now. I'm ready to move on to other things. But I, culture is so important. And I I do want us to understand it is God and he is first and it is about us. It is family and it is about them, the people that we're supposed to reach and take the gospel to and love to. And then it's about you. And last week we talked about how you have a role in the nations. Well, this week I want to talk about you and your responsibility or the opportunity uh, in the world around you. And that includes work. It includes your own creativity Um, And what God has given you. Now, if I'm being honest, I have really wrestled with this message because a lot of times, uh, has anybody ever ever heard of anachronistic living? Living outside of time. That sounds weird, but it just means that God is talking about something in the future. And you feel this tension in between what God wants to do and where we are. And there's something that God is stirring inside of this church. And I think the church at large that he wants to do, but we're not really positioned yet to see some of the things he wants to do. And so how many believe that God has a plan? How many believe that God actually kind of knows what he's doing? So what, what, at least in my opinion, I feel like the church should not react to the world or to culture, but should actually create it. Thank you for those three people who believe that. I, I just think the church should actually set the tone because God knows what's going to happen. So the church should be ahead of the curve and not always behind the curve. I'm just going to let it sit for a minute. Now, I've got a bunch of notes, and if I'm being honest, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. I'm going to talk a little bit about some things in my notes, but I really want to make sure this morning that we're being clear about a couple of things. I want you to honor your design. So every person in this room, you've been given um, gift sets, skills, personality, and you, you have something to offer the world around you. And then I want you to really honor God with your decisions, especially in your relationship to him. So I want you to honor God with the way you've been made, but I also want you to honor God with your thinking and spending time with him. So I have a question for you this morning. Should the church be the most innovating and creative place on the planet? Should the church be the most innovating and creative place on the planet? So when I ask a question, automatically we have a collision with a filter. Because a lot of times what we've done is we feel like, well, there should be no place for that in the church. 
What do you mean by that? What do you mean innovating? What do you mean creative? And I think there's some dynamics at play that I sense at times. And I don't know why God brings it on my radar. But immediately I want to go to battle for it. Because I feel like what God wants to do and what he wants to do in the world, the church absolutely has to be engaged in creativity, in innovation, in rethinking and reimagining what he wants to do on the earth. And so I feel this tension at times between where we are and what God wants to do. And the church is the one that's supposed to rush into the need. Wherever the need is, it's not the government. The government has its place, but the church represents the king. And we should be the ones that are going into the places of need, of brokenness, because we carry with us the spirit of God. Okay, so God is an originator and he's a creator. The enemy is a perverter. Okay, so he takes something and twists it. But sometimes our reactions to creativity is as soon as a people group or as soon as, let's say, Hollywood, as soon as Hollywood gets their hands on something, all of a sudden the church steps back and go, well, we're not going to deal with that. That's a problem. Because what God has created, the enemy has twisted. Now we've seeded over to other people. Do you see what I'm saying? And there's other areas and avenues that we talk about that as well. All of a sudden we go, well, you know, that's the world now. But that was originally all creativity has come from God. We're going to go somewhere today. Today I want to talk to you about Bezalel. Anybody familiar with Bezalel in the Bible? Raise your hand because I kind of want to see. He's kind of an obscure person. All right, good. I get to teach you something today. Would you stand with me this morning? So if I'm being honest, as I was studying for this, I kind of want to see, Mike, how you explain this. I kind of nerded out a little bit. So in scripture, I just saw some things that I'd never seen before. And to me, to be honest with you, I've never heard it preached before. I'm not saying this hasn't, but I've never heard it. And so it's an honor to be able to at least bring this thought process to you guys. I hope you get it. I hope I explain it in a way that makes sense. Let's read. Exodus 35, 30 through 35. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, Son of her of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver and bronze to cut and set stones to work in wood and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahizamak of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiders in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. Let's pray. 
Father, I pray that you would speak through us today, God. I pray that you would speak to our heart. pray that you would clarify things from your word. I pray, God, that you would equip us to do the work of ministry, to disciple, to create culture, to bring change, because that is what you do. And there's no limits to where you want to go, because you always show up in the place of need. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I'm asking you guys to honor God with your design. Honor God with your design. So I want to give you a little bit of backstory. God made a promise, a covenant with a group of people, the Israelites. And he made that first promise to a man named Abraham. And he said, your people will be my people. And I'm going to make a promise with you. And he said, I'm going to be with you. And you're going to be mine. We're going to have relationships. Well, 400 years later, this group of people is now under bondage in Egypt and they're slaves. And God goes to Moses and he says, I want you to lead these people out. And so Moses reluctantly goes and does it. And eventually he leads people, Israel, out of physical bondage. But how many know that you can be out of physical bondage and still be in spiritual bondage? You can take a slave out of slavery and they still believe they're a slave. And this is what is happening because they have sin in their life. God can't draw near to sin because he'll consume it. He's perfectly holy. We don't really understand that concept. But uh, do do you guys know Chris and Mickey Graff? Their granddaughter was diagnosed with cancer this week. And of all the cancers that a child can get this is, is the one because it's 90% curable. They found it pretty quickly. So she is at Children's Hospital. She's receiving treatment. Please pray for this family. But know this, that if you have sniffles or anything uh, and you show up at their room, they're not going to let you enter. In the same way, maybe not the same way, But for the illustration, in the same way, God can't allow sin near him because he'll consume it. All right. So he wanted to create a way to be among his people, but allow himself to be contained. And so he says, create a tabernacle for me, a place where my spirit can dwell. Okay. now I love this because I love the fact that we have a perfect God that still desires to be among sinful people. The love of God, because he's perfect in holiness, he's perfect in love, he's perfect in mercy, he's perfect in justice. He's going to figure out a way to be among his people. It's incredible. I'm not nerding out yet, but I'm getting close. So God is figuring out a way and he needs somebody to be able to create this tabernacle. And this is what he says to Moses, Exodus 25, 8, 9. He says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will allow you. And you can go in and see in depth all of these things that they needed to do and it needed to be just right. And then uh, they, they find Basilel and Basilel has all these gift sets. He has the spirit of God in him. And I wanted to show this video just to kind of give you a picture of what it looks like. Now, we don't know exactly what it looks like, so this is a little bit of imagination. uh, But I just want to show you this video. 
So the whole purpose, God was very specific in the way he wanted something made. But it was so that he could live among his people, right? Bazalel had, he was filled with wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and he had a gift set. And then he brought another person with him who had the ability to teach. And so they were able to create this. But I need you to see the pattern of God. Because it actually leads somewhere. So we read something in the Old Testament and we go, I don't understand. I'm hoping that after today you'll see the pattern and the connection points to where we are today. Okay? So how many know that creativity is the hallmark of God? That life is a hallmark of God. Innovation is a hallmark of God. So Genesis 1-2 says this. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And I love this picture. Because for me, this is what I see. When I think of the Lord, this is what I think even now. He is always hovering over the need. He is always hovering over the void. So even in our community, in our family, in broken places, He's hovering, waiting for somebody to engage. So he calls us into the void. Now, that means in our work. Sometimes we go, you don't know the godless people I work for. No, but God's called you to your job to be a place where he can bring his spirit into that place. Okay? So as I was preparing this, I really wanted to speak to the idea of creativity. And here's what I sense. There are people that come to church who are really good at their jobs, but they don't do church well. They look around and go, uh, I can't sing. Hello. I, I can't sing. I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be an usher. I, I don't know. I don't find my place. But man, they are fantastic in the marketplace. And then there's people, they do church pretty well, Right. You know, they, they love ministering to people or they'll pray for people, but they don't, don't always connect what they do in the church well in the marketplace. And I feel like God in this season is going, I want both. I want you to find your place in the marketplace because we carry the spirit of God into the void. But I also want you to find your place in church. Now, here's the, the, the tension is we don't always have a great expression for your gift set in the church. The church has to figure that out. Because I really believe vocational discipleship is coming. All right. This, this, is, this is this anachronistic living thing. All right. It's coming. So I'll give you an example. So sometimes I get a little pushback when I know God is telling me something and we can't figure out how to do it. So, Skylar, are you here? So, all right. So I, I have this thing that the Lord tells me that we need to start... Um, Creating videographers. We need to start, you know, getting the arts back in the church and, and, and allowing God to use part of that gift set that he created in our church again. Through the church. Not just in the church, but through the church. So I, I pull Skylar aside, uh, aside and I said, I really think God is wanting to do this thing. And I showed him a video and he just kind of went, hmm. I was like, okay, all right. So he, he went to the creative suite and then uh, I, I talked to Sarah and I said, yeah, I really think God's wanting to do this videography thing and, and to, to teach people how to tell stories. Blah, blah, blah. And she kind of went, hmm. 
And I'm going, what? It's like respectful disagreement. And I don't know what it is. So what I do is I talk to them and I said, hey, would you mind talking to Edison Creative? They help make some of our videos. And maybe we could get together and maybe train some people in our church. And I call them and I tell them this and they're on the line and, and Edison Creative's on the line. And I get, hmm. <laughs> well, now I'm mad if I'm being honest because I know what the Lord is saying. And sure enough, so uh, Raphael and myself and Sarah and Skylar, we get together with Edison Creative. We start talking. Because we, we, we want the church to, to use the giftings in here. And we want to be a place where people are trained. And not just for the church, but through the church. Okay? And so, um, and, and we get to talking. And eventually said, okay, send Josiah down here. Because Josiah's on staff. And he kind of helps us with our social media and things like that. And, and helping us create. And they said, you can send Josiah down. But we don't see any way that this is going to work. We keep talking, we keep talking, and then uh, Luke goes, okay, okay, maybe we can take a small group of people and maybe we can show them some things, so maybe we can do it for a week. Just bring them down. Okay, okay, maybe we can do this for four weeks. We can do a four-week thing, we can take them, bring them down here, we'll show them how to cut and edit and begin to... Okay, okay, we can do a six-week thing. So Edison now is beginning to take people from our church and show them how to take video and take concepts, begin to tell a story, because that is what's supposed to happen in the church. But I get this a good bit when it comes to business and church, or creativity and church. And Martin Luther, 500 years ago, there was this idea of there were a dichotomy. There were those who were ministers and they were the special people. And then the people who were actually did the work for a living, they were less than. And he said, this is not true. He said, there is no difference between the sacred and the secular. Whatever you do, you do unto the Lord and it is sacred. This is important. Because God calls us, the church, into the void. Right? So when you show up here or you show up at your job, you're taking God's holiness, His creativity, His spirit, His desire to bring change to your workplace. I, I applaud this because there, we have to change things. We have to shift the way we think. All right. So... Skipping through notes. God intentionally filled Bezalel with skill, his spirit, with skill to be able to create this. All right. Now, I want to show you the pattern. So if you fast forward to David, David is the, the king of Israel. And it says in, in 2 Samuel 7, he's sitting in his house and he's going, I'm in this house, but God is still in this tabernacle or this tent. That doesn't seem right. I want to build an incredible temple that he can live in, that his presence would be in. And so he tells Nathan the prophet, Nathan the prophet uh, hears from the Lord and he says, okay, God says you can build this glorious temple, but you can't build it. 
You've shed so much blood because you've been a warrior that your son will build it. And so David actually gets the blueprints. He gives it to his son and his son builds the temple. Now, here's the thing. They are also from the line of Judah. All right. So Bezalel is from the line of Judah. This is where I'm geeking out a little bit. David and Solomon are from from the line of Judah. All right. Can we fast forward to just a little bit more? Jesus. Jesus is from the line of Judah. From the lineage of Judah. All right. And this is what it says in Isaiah. Hundreds of years before he's to be born. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord again will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So God desired originally to dwell in in anything that he could, that tabernacle, just to be among his people. And then David said, we've got to build a temple to honor the Lord so that it's a stationary thing. And then Jesus said, guess what? The glory of God now is to dwell in us. So over 6,000 years, we're beginning to see God. This plan was all along. Yep, I got to be among my people. Yep, we got to build a temple. And God says, but that temple is you. And my spirit is supposed to be in you. All right, I'm going to show you in scripture. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? So God now dwells in us. So wherever we go, we are taking the power of God, the spirit of God, the creativity of God. So there's no sacred and secular. Everywhere we go is sacred. No, don't clap now. It's too late. It's too late. So Ephesians 4, right? So Jesus said... You're my temple. I'm going to build a church. But our responsibility, every person in this room, is to find out how you're supposed to build people. Okay. I'm going to show you in Scripture. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And here's what I believe. Every person in this room, you fall into one of the five graces. Apostolic, uh, evangelistic, prophetic, shepherd, teacher. Okay, so not all of all people are going to be an apostle. Not all people are going to be uh, a prophet. But I believe everybody has a grace on their life. So how many believe? Oh my gosh, I may get in trouble for this. How many believe? Because apostolic people, they come in and they start new works. They're creative. They're innovative. They come in and see and create what isn't. How many people believe that Steve Jobs may have had an apostolic grace? So Psalm 139 tells us that God wires us and calls us. Now, his spirit was not alive. We're a three-part being. I'm getting off my notes. We're made in three parts. But when you don't know Christ, your spirit is not connected to God's spirit. But you still function in the way that God originally created you to function. All right. 
So there are people that we see in culture. Same thing with poets, musicians. They're, they're probably lean more prophetic. They, they, they're able to, to create. I don't want to get too off the rails here. I'm just telling you that God does, fun, creates us to function. God made me the way that he made me long before I understood my function in the body of Christ. So I would see things, I would know things, and I kept going, why aren't we doing this? You can ask Raphael, I went, God, you made me wrong. I'm not supposed to be in ministry. I'm supposed to do something else. Because what I want to do or what I see doesn't fit. And so you can ask Christopher, for years I wrestled and I just went, God, I don't know what to do. But then I began to hear that other people were thinking the same way, that, that churches were beginning to think differently. And I began to see myself for the first time. I just believe that there's coming a shift to our church and all of you are probably part of one of these graces. And you take that into your job and you carry the spirit of God with you. Now, I know that's probably clear as mud. But we're going to, we'll unpack it in the months to come because I just believe every person in this room, you carry a gift set and a grace. So honor the Lord with your design. Number two, honor God with your decision. Bezalel actually means in the shadow of. Means in the shadow of. So he's incredibly gifted. But the idea is that he stayed near to God. That he was under the shadow of God. There's something in scripture that theologians call anthropomorphism. And it's where we give um, God a, uh, because we're trying to explain what he is like, we give him like human qualities or we give him like a bird-like quality, right? In the shadow of his wings, he will protect you. Anybody ever thought about that? Anybody ever read that scripture and I, God, are you a bird? Just seem weird. But it's our way of trying to explain how God overshadows us to protect us. Psalm 36, 7 says this. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Jesus said when he, when he stood in Jerusalem... He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have desired to bring you in like a mother brings in her chicks. A mother hen brings in her chicks, but you would not come to me. And so we see this picture. But how many know in order to experience a shadow, there's a couple of things that you need. You need to be near. And that person that's casting the shadow needs to be bigger than you. And my question to this church is, how are you doing in your relationship with the Lord? Are you drawing near? Are you spending time in, in the Bible? Are you spending time not just listening to podcasts or messages, but are you actually spending time with God? Because this matters more than anything else. As much as I love creating change and doing things, if we're not spending time with the Lord, we're missing it. Spending time with God is the root system. And what you do outside of that is the fruit. And in order for you to be effective 
Your roots have to go deep into the soil. And so my question this morning, church, is are you actually spending time with God? Are you actually praying and getting alone? I don't know if if society has ever been busier. But because it is increasingly busy, we have to begin to separate ourselves to spend time with him. I'm going to ask for you guys to stand. Honor God with your design. Honor him at your job. Be creative. Use what you have. But honor him with your decision. In just a minute, we're going to allow people to come to the altar to receive prayer if they need that. If you don't know who Christ is, he gave his life for you, shed his perfect blood for you to cover your sin. And to offer you salvation. To come and live inside of you. Just like that temple. That picture is. You're, you're now the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives his life in you. And then through you. I'd love to be able to pray for you. And lead you to Christ. Tell you about him. Church I want you to, you to honor God. With your design. I want you to honor him with your time. And I want you to take the kingdom of God. That is inside of you. To the world around you. But knowing has to precede going. We've got to spend time with Jesus. And we've got to separate ourselves, cut off the TV, get away from people, and actually spend time with Him. Father, I pray for our church. I believe we're supposed to be the most creative force, the most innovative place in the world because your, your spirit dwells here, dwells in us. But God, more than that, I want to know you. Help us to grow deep, that we grow in our identity and relationship with you, that we understand who Jesus is. God, that we we become more and more like you, that we become more mature, just like scripture says. I pray for those that are here. It's a challenge, God. I pray to release that gifting through them. And I pray that they continue to grow to know Jesus more and more and more. And God, just like Aholiab, how he's created to teach, I pray that this becomes a culture that teaches, that develops, that empowers and builds people through that grace that you've given them, not only for the body of Christ, but for the world to see. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Make sure you separate, spend time with the Lord, and release that grace at your job and the world around you. God bless.